Hello and welcome back to Millennial Lab, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thank you for joining us this week with your co-host, Valine Likely and Catherine Longspeech. So this week, once again, me and Valine are apart. Uh, Valine is back up in Idaho hustling for some business for, um, for her day job. <laughs> and um, I'm in Colorado enjoying the cold and the snow. So this week, um, we thought that we would talk about how agriculture um, has become or is easy prey for activism, especially environmental activism. And we think that this is a pretty timely topic um, given the Golden Globes a few weeks ago. If you missed our episode on that, go back uh, two or three episodes and check out what we had to say about about the Golden Globes and their um, their hypocrisy. <laughs> and um, you know, Starbucks a couple of weeks ago talking about how they were going to um, encourage customers to move to to um, putting plant-based uh, creamers into their coffee instead of dairy because of dairy's supposed huge footprint. And even the Oscars, we just found out, are going 70% vegan, um, you know, to combat climate change, which, you know, could be a whole nother show in itself, very similar to the Golden Globe. So, um, this week we're talking about agriculture and and the the ease with which we are attacked from outside groups claiming to be environmentally friendly, sustainable, et cetera, et cetera. So Val, what are your first thoughts on this? I think that because I've been in production ag my pretty much my entire life, I it's so easy to feel like we're the um prey and in all these situations and that these big corporate companies with big attorneys and big marketing stuff attack us little guys. It doesn't matter, you know, even the, the, the big dairies or the big feed yards or whatever. Um, I don't think we always feel big um, when we're getting fingers pointed and it's really easy to feel like we're the prey in a lot of these situations. And I, and I like to roll over, especially in my mindset of having a lot on my plate and being overwhelmed to think, poor us, we're getting attacked again. And how are we ever supposed to stay in business when all we get is attacked on all these, now it's environmental issues. At one point it was um, animal care. You know, it seems like it goes on a cyclical cycle and you know, I want to call bullshit a little bit on <laughs> on that mentality and and say you know let's quit let's quit playing the prey like yes we're going to get attacked but I think every business at some point or another is going to get attacked. I think you hit the the nail on the head there. I mean we do okay yeah so ag we we are from the outside easy prey. We've talked about this before. We're not very well organized. Um, we don't have a lot of money. We don't have a lot of time to organize ourselves into responding to these kinds of attacks. But at the same time, we tend to stick our heads in the sand like ostriches. And, you know, if one segment of the of the industry is being attacked, you know, another segment is just thankful that it isn't them. Um, and then the segment that is getting attacked, like you say, sits up and says, oh, poor us, look at us, we're getting attacked and and we're just trying to feed the world, blah, blah, blah. And and you know, there's there's plenty of things wrong with that statement as well. But it doesn't it doesn't get us any further down the road um, as you know as as being seen as um, you know, trustworthy um, partners for our consumers. You know, consumers just hear us um, 
either screeching like a teenage girl to to our attackers, which is the entirely wrong place to respond, because um, you know those attacks come from people who a have money, b have a vested interest in getting us out of business, and c well they don't care what we have to say. Or we're preaching to the choir where, you know, we all know that we have our best business practices in hand, um, you know, by and large within our industry. And we don't send the message that needs to be sent to where it needs to be sent, which is to say um, towards the movable middle, the consumers who actually might listen to what we have to say if we said it in a way that they wanted to listen to. Well, and I think kind of going back on our short and sweet episode last week when we talked about positivity, but we also talked about negativity. And I think agriculture is a prime example of breeding off of each other. You know, we we sit around the coffee table or at the coffee shop and and we start getting the poor, poor, pitiful me or everything's going to hell in a handbasket and the next generation's not helping and we're not handing it over. And I think, I think our conversation is changing, but it needs to continue to change. And I think, yes, we can vent, um, cause we need to get it out there. Um, but our, our coffee shop discussions, I think still need to happen, but maybe we have a more positive agenda and more proactive, productive, how are we going to combat this rather than sitting around breeding negativity and getting the poor me victim mentality. I love that. I absolutely love that. The victim mentality, I mean, number one, we have to move past that to keep our businesses intact because, I mean, sitting around complaining about how bad things are just doesn't get anything done. It doesn't make anybody any money and it it breeds negativity, just like you said. And then, um, you know, we need to have these discussions about change and we need to be having them faster. We need to not let it take 25 years for for one message to sink in, for us to start saying it, and then to realize that it's not hitting um, where we need it to hit. And so um, I think, I think once again, you hit the nail on the head. And I mean, we have, we have to move past that and, and talk, talk about. I think we um, need to move past the, the victim mentality and towards, towards a growth mindset and a and not necessarily a Viking, I'm going to take over everything, but uh, uh, um, let's be proactive and let's figure out how we can shift our mindset to be um, more more proactive and more um, beneficial instead of just sitting around complaining that we're getting attacked. I think that that proactive word is is really key to what we're talking about here today. I think that's perfect you know, we, we need to be more, we need to be proactive rather than reactive agriculture, production agriculture as a whole. Um, we just tend to be very, very reactive. You know, some company comes out with some, some dictate and, and for a week, ag social media is just blowing up, yelling at each other, um, and reacting towards what has happened. But, you know, we have the tools, you know, we see, we know that we are easy prey, we're easy victims if we wanted to call it that, um, for, for these kinds of businesses and corporations to, to come after us. And so, I mean, number one, I don't think that we should really be giving them the time of day, you know, and, and perpetuating something that's called the Streisand effect, which is where, you know, something that you don't want to have a lot of attention actually gains a lot more attention because you're sharing it and posting about it on social media. Um, 
you know, so you wanted to bury something, but instead of doing that, you, you mentioned it too many times and it really just kind of blows up. Well, and especially with like social media and all the um, logarithms and all this stuff, you know, you start sharing even the negative, like something PETA or HSUS shared and you're attacking it Well, you're getting them to get more views and likes, which ends up boosting their, their model, you know, and exactly. it gets, it strokes their ego because that's what they want. They want us reacting. And I, and a good example of, of that right now is, um, politics too. We, we stroke, <laughs> you know, somebody says something, whether it's the Democrats versus Republicans or in the state of Idaho, um, the Republicans within themselves are tearing each other apart and they just, they want reactions. So being able to not respond to some hate mail or not responding to that, I think could go a long ways in agriculture. I think so too. I think that that's a really great example and, and you know, how much time and breath and, and words and, and, you know, energy do we waste by, by complaining about all this stuff when, when some new dictate is handed down on high by Starbucks or by Whole Foods or whoever, you know, the, the, the villain of the day is. Um, I think that we in agriculture, um, you know, just need to recognize that this is sort of the climate that we're living in right now. And number one, live out our best practices, not just say what we do, but do what we say we do. Um, and let our actions speak for themselves because actions do speak louder than words. And, um, you know, we would like those to be positive rather than negative. And, and to, you know, to use the platforms that we do have to, again, be proactive. And I'm not sure, you know, this comes back a lot to share your story. And I have mixed feelings about this. If, if you know, if we've got listeners who have been through um, some of the podcasts that we've done and a couple that I've done with Amy and Mason. I mean, I think that the the origin of that phrase is is useless um, in how, how we were taught to share our story and what we were taught to share in our story um, doesn't really resonate with the people we need it to resonate with. But I mean, we still need to be out there communicating and talking just in a different and more positive way, in a more proactive way and towards the people who actually might be able to help us make a difference rather than the ones who were attacking us. Well, and I think maybe understanding what the consumer is truly demanding and maybe having a discussion with the consumer on, okay, you're demanding cheap milk or you're demanding cheap cheddar cheese or cheap beef. Well, to get, get to that to the price point you want, this is what we're going to have to do. And just being I think it's not necessarily telling our stories, but listening and then having a conversation and being able to put, um, you know, put, put the product with the process. And, and I don't think it's talking at them, but having a conversation or, you know, doing maybe in-store demos or walking the aisles of the grocery store and, and explaining kind of what's, what the process looks like for that gallon of milk that they're purchasing. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. It's, it's like we said, it just, it comes back to actual actions and, 
I mean, just just getting agriculture to realize that this is sort of the new norm that we live in. You know, there's it's not going to end with Starbucks. It's not going to end with the Golden Globes and the Oscars going 70% vegan or all the way vegan for a night. We know we know that that doesn't make a damn bit of difference for for climate change or environmental sustainability or any of it. I mean, what they are is uh, is is um, is they're just stunts. That's all they are. Um, and that, I mean, that they're going to continue to be stunts from, I mean, they're going to be stunts from companies like Starbucks, you know, Whole Foods, the impossible people, all of those. But then there's, there's, there's the organizations behind them, whether it's HSUS or, um, you know, the, the Center for Food Policy, you know, all of these, these organizations that sound like they're really farmer friendly and agriculture friendly, but really have it, have it in for us, which is just another one of their ploys. But um, I mean, I think you're going to continue to see food companies do these kinds of stunts, um, you know, because they're coming from a bottom line perspective and we're going to see them continue to be pushed and cherry pick data from the kinds of organizations that I just mentioned. Um, and so we, we need to know that we need to start being proactive rather than reactive. We need to, we need to be prepared for this, this new paradigm that we're living in. This is no longer you know, the 80s and 90s and even earlier in the century when nobody cared how food was made. They just wanted to make sure it was on the store shelf and it was cheap. I mean, a lot more matters to the consumer now. It's niche. Um, you know, there's got to be something special about it, whether it's a story or it's value added. Um, and and uh, food marketers and these, these activist groups have caught on to that and production agriculture has not so much. We need to be wary of, of, of commoditizing our product versus um versus doing what the consumer is demanding which is specialty niche value added like i just said yeah and we have to we have to figure out so right now it's environmental sustainability and i feel like we're riding the waves of that and trying to figure out how we fit into that but what's the what's the next thing activism is going to jump on you know are they going to go back to taking care of the animals and do we need to start being starting programs and marketing towards humane raised beef or do we need to or is there something else that's that they're gonna jump on um is it air emissions is it what what is the next thing or what are the trends showing that activism is going to jump on and how can we get ahead of that marketing ball game now absolutely and i think i think two things on that i think first off I mean, there is going to be, you know, what's the next, um, what's the next fancy thing to, to be an activist for, or, or to tout on, on food labeling and everything. But I think eventually all these things, animal care, environmentalism, sustainability, all of these things are going to come together, you know, in sort of a, a net around agriculture. And, and until, until something else becomes an easy target, they're all going to come around and we're going to be, you know, under even closer scrutiny than we are now. And so we need to be at the very top of our game, um, production wise, marketing wise, you know, from, from the farm to the fork, if you'll forgive my, uh, my, my phrase, <laughs> it's another one that we, we wonder about sometimes, but, um, you know, we, we need to both be paying attention to, to what's been done in the past to agriculture, to production ag. And like you say, absolutely be on the watch for whatever's coming next. And, and I think asking some of our listeners um, and, you know, our social media followers, what do you think is the next 
attacker, the next thing du jour that's going to be that's going to be pinpointed on agriculture, and how can agriculture start to prepare? How can we start to be proactive? Yeah, and I I think we sometimes rely on um, the PhDs, the researchers, the people at the top of the food chain telling us what's going to happen, and and we need those people, and they play a very critical role in in our business model. But I think we need to start looking at it too. We need to start getting involved and seeing what they're looking at because I think they're also missing stuff that's happening on the ground and that's Mm -hmm. happening here and the people driving by and looking, you know, maybe it is putting a camera in the barn and showing milking from the cows that are headed to the plant. Or maybe it's, um, getting creative on, on marketing or making our milk taste better or our beef, um, raised in a better environment or right here in our backyard, or maybe they, they don't mind that it's a 1200 pound grass fed calf that they're eating because it wasn't raised with hormones. Like how do we get a little more creative in, in getting that product to them and showing them that, that we are ahead of that next activism thing. Right. And I, I totally agree. And I just like to point out to our listeners again, that, um, you know, we, we tend to ask a lot more questions than we have the answers for, but that was, you know, a a large chunk of the reason that we started this podcast was because we know we don't have the answers. And so we want to ask these questions, these tough questions and look to you, our audience and spread it out into your networks to see what you guys have to say, to start, start having the conversation and start the ripple effect of, of getting the, the collective agricultural hive mind rolling and, and thinking about these issues that are definitely coming down the pipeline, even if you don't see them on Facebook or Twitter today. Well, and it's, I think it's changing. Like I said earlier, those conver- those coffee house conversations um, that we're having because those coffee house conversations that grandpa and all his buddies sit around and talk, turn into a negative spiral on how bad things are. And we need to address the issues and we need to address some of the negativity, but the buck's got to stop on the negativity and we've got to be proactive and say, okay, these are the problems. How are we going to fix them? And what maybe, maybe if we're going to be a little negative, say what problems do we see coming down the pipeline and how can we nip it in the butt now? You know, I just thought of something that um, our CEO, Mayan Valine, says to us all the time. He he constantly imagines what's the absolute worst thing that can happen so that he can prepare for it. He doesn't want the worst thing to happen, but he's always prepared for whatever the worst thing might be so that he can so that he can address it immediately if it does happen. And I think that that's a great strategy that we could start to employ in production agriculture. You know, what's the next worst thing that's going to happen to us? How are we going to prepare for it and be ready for it tomorrow instead of, you know, days, weeks, months, years after the fact? Yeah. And I think like, um, some of these organizations like National Cattlemen's Beef Association, I'm sure the milk producers have some crisis management, um, people on staff and they're watching things on a, on a daily basis. Um, And I think we need to, we don't realize they're doing it, um, but we need to start tapping into that network and figuring out what resources we have as members of these associations and figure out how they can personally benefit our single operation and work toward 
being better stewards of the lands on an individual level, on a, on a personal level. And I think then we can work together to, to build up a better mentality and a better, um, better mentality, better producers and move forward and be, be positive, be energetic and be ready for, be ready for when activism starts and quit, quit playing the prey card before it ever even shows up. I think that that is a great note to end on Val. Um, Agriculture has got to start being proactive rather than reactive and get our heads out of the sand, get our heads out of the sand and, and get prepared for whatever's next. Um, you know, another in the long list of things to do is for, for production agriculturists, but I mean, if we want to have sustainable, sustainable businesses and by sustainable businesses, I mean businesses that are here for the long term, that are here for legacy farms. Um, this has got to be another, another thing that we put in our toolkit. Absolutely. And, and at the end of the day, agriculture is still a business. We have to make money in order to continue the legacy. And that's, that's sometimes a hard thing to swallow. Um, but I think we, we got to remember that. And listeners, we want you to be involved. What are your thoughts? What are your operations looking like? If you're a consumer, what are you demanding? What are you seeing? You know, we want, we want to hear from you guys. And we appreciate you listening to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. Be sure to um, reach out to us either through social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and also shoot us an email at Catherine at MillennialAg.com. Catherine is spelled K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E. Um, we want to hear from you. Thank you.